He died for you. He died for me. From our sin, He set us free. He loved us so. His life He gave. So if we ask, we can be saved. Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with us in the program this week. We are uh, in the middle of the holiday season. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is is rapidly becoming one of my favorite times of the years. I still like Christmas and Easter. Uh, Thanksgiving, though, is just so exciting. Family just gets together just to get together and fellowship, give thanks to the Lord for all that we have. So I'm excited about this time of the year. I always love the holiday season, and God moves in the holiday season. It is time, America, that we begin to look for His movement, the, the Spirit of God in the holiday season, that, that we feel this kindness, and it's the kindness of the Holy Spirit, not just the kindness of being a people. Because God, be led by God, be led by the Holy Spirit, so that you might do a kindness to others during this holiday season. And of course, according to the Word, we are to do that 24-7, 365 days out of the year. But this time of the year, it, it even it's it's amplified. It even it even gets more and more and more, where we might spread the good news and the gospel of Jesus, spread the love of God to our neighbors, our friends, and to those in need, those people that we don't even know. So as we look into today's lesson, we're still in the book of First Peter, and um, um, we are in the third chapter, the 18th verse. And we're really getting into the gospel. You know, the Bible always goes back to the gospel. In fact, and I think from the Old to the New Testament, really, it always goes back to the gospel. It always goes back to the grace of God. It always goes back to the kindness of God and how much he loves his people and those who obey him. And so, as we look at today's message, we start in verse 18. It says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. We are in the last days. And in, and while this, this scripture talks, well, let's talk for, for just a moment about the gospel and that he, Christ died for us once. One time for all of us so that we might have eternal salvation. All of those who believe in the name of the Son of God, and that is Jesus Christ. And so there is a work that you must do, John six twenty nine. that is to believe in the one God sent. And of course, that's Jesus. And so as we believe in him, his grace abounds in us, and we are able to experience change in our life from the inside out because of the power of the Holy Spirit that resides within us. And so as we grow more in Jesus, that Spirit grows more, and we uh, we abound the grace of God all the more. So that as we come upon someone, they begin to see Jesus in us. They begin to to maybe in the beginning not understand what's going on, and then after they come to know Christ, they know exactly what's going on, and that is that Jesus abounds in us through the power of his Holy Spirit. But I want you to also get, as we have been talking about the last days, 
He talks again, who disobeyed long ago when God patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. The, we, the Bible says that as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And let me tell you what the days of Noah were. The days of Noah were absolute evil. That, that's the bottom line. That's what was going on in the days of Noah. God was looking around. He saw no righteous person except for Noah. And because of the grace of God, he allowed Noah to bring his family. Now, I have to also reason by reading this that Noah was a good father and he taught his family about the ways of God. And so, in my mind at least, and I think scriptural, scripture backs this up, is that his family was coming alongside of Noah because of the godly man he was and because of the way he would have taught his children. And so God allowed him by grace to bring his entire family, wives and sons, and of course his wife, and as they were brought out of the um, the tribulation that was going to come on the earth, which was the great flood. And now they were not totally taken out because the the, the uh, flood receded and then they went back onto the earth. But they endured God's wrath, but they were safe from it. And so in a lot of ways, I think that's a lot of what we're going to see in the tribulation. We may endure the tribulation, but we're going to be safe from the wrath of God. Now that does not mean we're going to be safe from the wrath of man. The wrath of God is much worse. The wrath of man is temporary. The wrath of man will kill the body, but it can do nothing to the soul. The wrath of God will kill the soul and the body, and it will send the the soul to a place called hell uh, that they would live for eternity apart from God. So, So what we are going to see, as it was in the days of Noah, is that we may have to endure persecution, but we will not have to withstand the wrath of God. We will be protected from God's wrath. And so, but according to the book of Revelation, there will be, there will be Christians beheaded in the tribulation time. That means the wrath of man will come against us. And in fact, we were, we will die for what we believe, but in dying, we will live for eternity. And so this body is temporary. And so I, this program is not to scare you. This program is to encourage you. This program is so that you will understand that God's ways are permanent. Man's ways are temporary, and that includes death. Brother Ron Stortle, we are uh, in the book of First Peter, of course, and Noah, as it was in the days of Noah. And we're beginning to see, well, maybe not, uh, you can say we're beginning to see, but really, as you look around today, the days of Noah are here. I mean, we are worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. We are, the days of Noah are here. I think the days of Noah, if you were to just read the headlines on the news, every day, more and more, this nation specifically is is falling more and more into sin. Now, I will say this past week, I was happy to see that more sin has come to light and more evil people are being exposed. I mean, we had Hillary Clinton get exposed and caught red-handed with with the Trump dossier. So we have recently we've had the the pedophile rings in Hollywood starting to be exposed and people starting to go to jail for that. So there is those things that the sins of the nation are starting to come out, which I believe are also the signs of the end of a time for possibly America, 
right before God's judgment, which we know is scriptural. The sins of the nation will be revealed right before he judges. Well, and it's been said by many prophets that God was going to expose all of the sins of the leadership before all of the before the the uh, judgment on the on the country is going to happen and you might be out there one of them asking well then why would god need to judge the country well i'm going to tell you we are americans and we have the power to vote and these evil people remain in power because we continue to vote them in uh, donald trump is an excellent example of what the people can do if they will stand up but instead the people choose not to stand up it was said a few uh, months ago when the when the hurricane hit Houston and it flooded, there was a lady who called in uh, some radio station and said, well, why would God um, destroy Houston just for the sake of one man, the mayor? Because he is uh, he is for homosexual marriage. He is for gay agenda. And of course, their their former mayor was the same way. And of course, that's easy to see because that mayor is not one man. He did not get in as mayor without the the majority of the population putting their stamp of approval on him by the way of the vote and saying we want this man to be in control to be in charge of our city even though we know that he is steeped in sin and so that is the the uh, uh, the stamp that God looks at from the people over the entire city and then of course in this case over the entire nation because he looks at our nation, we have the power of the vote. This is not a dictatorship. This is not a deal where we can stand up and pray against Pharaoh or a dictator or whatever or a king, because those those people were put in without the people's will. In America, all of our leadership is put in by the people's will, which shows the the heart of the nation. Well, I can answer this with with one simple example. The reason America is still coming under judgment from God is because we still have people in power that have refused to change laws that were put in effect against God. We had prayer taken out of schools. That hasn't been changed. We are still aborting thousands of children a day in these these child butcher factories. We still have homosexual marriage. If we voted for people that followed God, these things would be changed. But they're not. So if you wonder why God is still judging America, it's because the people that are in office have not turned back to God. They're still turning farther and farther away from God. All the time, they're pa- or they're either passing or allowing new things to go on that are slapping God in the face saying, we don't need you anymore. We're, we think we're smarter than you. And we're going to do all these sinful acts. The judgment will come on a nation when sin becomes the law. Which, and But what I mean by that is when sin, it not only becomes legal, but sin becomes enforceable against the the rule of God. Exactly. And of course, we can see that. I mean, we have laws against prayer in school. We have laws against uh, um, uh, laws for homosexual marriage. We have laws for abortion. We have we have all of these things. And now uh, the pedophilia and everything is that is on the rise. Um, I can't remember what they call a kinder gender. I, I heard yesterday Now I'd heard about this a few months ago, but it was too sickening to even think about. Um, uh, but. Kinder gender 
is where you feel love for kindergarten children, and uh, that's what's going to make it all right. So now you'll be able to fall in love as a a male pervert, basically an older an older pervert, but I should say you're going to be able to legally fall in love with these these children, and um, which shows how sick our society has become. This will probably get ignored, just like everything else did. That it will be eventually, it will be okay. That uh, pedophilia will be legal, and and um, God help our children. Because our children are being led to slaughter from the womb and now on into their life. The safety of our children is at stake and it is, it's quite sickening to think about all of this stuff that's going on. Well, we've been butchering our children for 50 years in this nation. So if that's been okay for so long, why won't they just allow anything else to be done to them? I mean, it, it, killing them is the worst thing you can do to them. Well, Maybe no, I don't think it's the worst because there's they're still in the womb, a life of torture like you were talking about from pedophilia. Yeah, because actually, because killing from the womb. The good news about that, like you, you know, I heard you you stop for a second, and that's true though. Some people probably gasped when you said, "Well, I don't think that's the worst." People, Christians need to understand, dying is not the worst thing that can happen. Those who die in Jesus, which would be our children, uh, those who die will be forever with Christ. So that's really not the worst thing. At the same time, we are taking away that life that God has ordained that might have been on this planet for one more soul to come into the kingdom. Okay, so as we continue, now we were just talking about, of course, the scripture, as it was in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. We're going to we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Not because you have to finish this scripture. You can't stop right there. There are those that say water baptism saves you. And in fact, water baptism is an open confession, a witness to the fact that you are saved. And how do I say, how do I say that? Well, because you have to finish reading the scripture. You can't take any scripture halfway through and make a doctrine out of it. Because as you continue, it says not the removal of dirt from the body but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you get that? You're saved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it does not do it because it removes sin from your body, but it is a pledge of a good conscience toward God. That's what baptism is. It is you are being buried to your old life and resurrected to the new. You're making a pledge and you're showing everyone as a testimony, as a witness, that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, as this continues, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So see, when you read the scripture, if you take the scripture out of context, you could stop right there. And in fact, it has been done to me. See, look, uh, symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Well, but then you have to finish the scripture. You cannot stop there because it's not the baptism that saves you. Because it even continues, not the removal of the dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. So it shows that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Should you be baptized if you're saved? Absolutely. That is, I believe, the next step 
to your confession of Jesus Christ is water baptism because it gives the outward expression that you now have Jesus Christ in your life and you want everyone to know about it. It also symbolizes to you death, burial, and resurrection of the new life. And in fact, there have been people, I've baptized at least one and maybe more, that just the baptism itself, when they came out, they were healed or they have seen changes in their lives, or it's miraculous, just that baptism, because of uh, of the expression that I now serve God. There was a lady during a hurricane several years ago in the church that we were allowing people to come in that, uh, to escape the hurricane. Uh, I can't remember which, which hurricane it was now, Rita, I think it was. And they came into our church, we put them up, and some got saved. We baptized a lady, and she was sick in her body and she she was hurting in her bones and her joints we baptized her she came out of the water said she no longer had any pain but god god was healing he used that baptismal water to heal her but it's not the water that saves her it says it as it continued like i said it saves you through the resurrection of jesus christ so you are doing the outward expression of of what jesus went through you jesus died physically was buried, and then he rose from the dead. You're you're symbolizing that through your baptism. Pastor, that part right there to me is the, the most powerful part of these, this scripture where it says it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know a lot of people say, well, Jesus died for you. Now you can get saved. It's not the power of dying. That's right. It's that, not the death. It's not Although the, that's a part of it. It is part. Of it. It, had it had to happen. To happen. Right. It had to happen, but... Anybody, well, everybody not, dies except for a couple people in the Old Testament. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, but yeah, and those of us that are going to be resurrected at, at the end of the age. But other than that, yes, everybody dies. Somebody could die for you. They they could die protecting you. They could die and give you parts of their body as like an organ donor. But where Jesus sets it apart was the fact that he resurrected from the dead. So that he can live for us forever. A friend could die for you and save you momentarily. But unless they could come back to protect you for the rest of your life, like Jesus did, then that momentary salvation of a friend, and I use that term lightly, won't last the rest of your life. That's where the power of the resurrection, he came back to to save us for the rest of our lives. And that is the, the drastic difference between... Someone dying for you and someone dying and coming back to life to be with you for the rest of your life. And, of course, the the uh, the resurrection showed he had the power over death, that he could raise from the dead. You know, it's amazing to me that people would even think that um, there is no Jesus, there is no God. I mean, they call themselves atheists, although I don't believe there's any atheist. I don't believe there's any such thing as an atheist. I believe that um, these people that call themselves atheists really know that there is a God, but they just do not want to submit to a God. And so they call themselves atheists, but what is their plan? What's their plan for after they die? What are those people who worship themselves? Secular humanism pretty well worships yourself. Well, what's your plan? How are you going to, the day after you die, what's going to happen? And if you're just going to go into oblivion, then then what's the big deal? Why why should you even try to be moral, to be good, do anything here on this earth? 
uh, other than just do anything you want to. Because there is nobody to answer to. There's only me to answer to. There's only the authorities. Now, maybe you don't want to go to jail. Maybe that's your motivation. But the irony is, why do we even have all these laws that we have? Why is there not just absolute chaos in the streets? Because the authorities also were like, well, hey, what's the big deal? Just let it go. Let anarchy happen because there is no no guiding force. Well, to answer that question to Christians is absolutely obvious. And that is that our guiding force came from God who set up our laws, who set up our morality, if you will. And then, of course, the love of God is infiltrated into mankind because he is uh, omnipresent on the earth and he's walking throughout the earth, which spreads his love and kindness. And just as I said, as I started this program about the love and kindness of this year that should go throughout the entire year, uh, that it, I mean, of this time of year that should go out through the entire year, but that shows the love and kindness. That's all that we have because of God. Without God, there is no love. Without God, because God is love. So you remove God from the picture, and there is no love. And you said it perfectly. It's it's all about accountability. That is the only reason I believe that people refuse to acknowledge God because they don't want to be accountable within their their mind to somebody. They don't mind being accountable physically in their their human body because if you're accountable to say law enforcement, then you can count on them to protect you. So they they do have a give and take which it's all hypocrisy. So they want the they want law enforcement to protect them and therefore they allow themselves to be subject to it. But when they look at God, they don't want to be accountable to him because then they have to rely on him for their protection. So when you look at it that way, it's it's okay here on earth to have authority for and protection. But when it comes to their eternal spiritual body, they don't want authority because then they have to rely on them for protection. And I, I think it's amazing. I'm, I'm going to throw a little little news in here. How, since we, you mentioned atheists, atheists don't want to believe in God. But it is amazing how the power of God keeps revealing himself and just making it so they can't deny God. Uh, there was a... just. On October 30th, there was a, a news article that came out that if anybody knows about the the CERN scientists and the CERN research facility that has the, the particle accelerator, they have basically admitted that the Big Bang Theory is false. And through their scientific research, they said that if the Big Bang Theory happened, immediately what the result of that would have destroyed itself. So even secular scientists now are saying we can't prove how the the universe was created because the big bang theory scientifically won't work anymore and these are the the top scientists in the world. So when they can't even justify their own scientific theories what what does that leave? Science can't prove something. What does that leave? It has to leave God. Because God makes, if you look at the definition of what's impossible, something that can't be proven by science. So what does that leave? It has to leave God. So these scientists, in trying to prove things to justify their research, 
are proving that God is the only possible way that these things could have happened. It's and that's amazing. the way it always is with science. Science always proves God. It never disproves God. They try to disprove God, but it always brings it back full circle to God. But it always encourages me when I see news articles about secular scientists saying, we don't know, we can't prove this. And it just makes me look at it and go, well, then what does that leave you? It well, and, and really, ironically, with what you were saying, even about as far as submitting to authorities here on this earth, see, the problem that we're having right now with all the chaos is that people really don't want to submit to the authorities on earth. They only want to submit when it when it's convenient to them. And so this all of this Black Lives Matter or all of the chaos, all of the whatever that is going on in the world, that they don't want to submit to the authorities Really, if it goes against them, even if it goes against the law and they realize that, look, we're breaking the law, but we don't want to be held accountable for that. And that's really what's going on with God. Look, we know we're breaking the law, but we don't want to be held accountable for that. So we don't believe in God because that's an eternal accountability. That's even got to be scarier than the the temporary accountability of going to jail because that's a, a permanent accountability, which means so I'm, it's it, it's the ostrich theory. Stick your head in the sand, and you can't see it, so it'll go away. And, and of course, it's not going to go away. You can stick your head in the sand. If you do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then it will no longer be temporary, but it will be permanent rejection throughout eternity. Well, and along these lines, I've got the perfect example for you of why people turn their back on God so that they don't have to be accountable for him. I know somebody that just got pregnant out of wedlock and i was talking to him and i said you know that this is a a mortal sin that you know this is sexual immorality and the bible says you'll go to go to hell if you don't repent of this and they go well who are you to judge me and of course i went into the scriptures that we've discussed on this program that said as long as you claim to be a christian and claim to be in the church that we can address this with you and point out your sin. And they go, Here, here's what they ultimately said to me. They said, well, then I don't go to church anymore because I don't want to deal with people like you. And I know they haven't been going to church. And literally on the phone, they said, well, then I no longer claim to be a Christian because I don't want to, to deal with people like you. So immediately at that moment, this person said, I am no longer acknowledging being a Christian because I don't want to be held accountable for my actions anymore. Because they fully believe that getting pregnant out of wedlock isn't a sin. And they said that to me earlier on the phone. But can you imagine somebody immediately turning their back on God just because they don't want to repent of their sin? Well, and that's the ostrich thing, isn't it? And that's all I said to him. I said everything's going to be good because they don't acknowledge it. And and this person just could not understand the concept. I said, all you have to do is repent of the act that led to the pregnancy. You don't, and I know they're not living with the father. So, I mean, it's it's not like this is a big detrimental change for the person to just repent of the act and carry on with their life. But they, they just couldn't understand that concept. They think that any time a Christian points out sin to them, they're attacking them. They don't understand the concept that we're trying to to point out their sin to them so that they can just acknowledge it and and be righteous again with God. Well, and at that point, or at one point, maybe I should say at one point, there is there is going to come a point when, of course, you have, are accountable to God, uh, but there is a point of rejection of Christ. And um, 
they're, they're in danger of that. And they're in danger of rejection of Christ because it sounds to me like a person like that has never accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Really, they've never done that. They, they may have walked the aisle in the church one time and said, okay, now I'm saved. But that is not salvation. I, I can't get that, or I can't, um, state that enough. Walking the aisle in a church is not salvation. You have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Once you start believing in your heart that you have Jesus Christ, then your life will change. The confession is not all there is to it. You must believe, and the belief leads to faith, and the faith is what changes the faith in Jesus Christ. Well, we're out of time for today's message. We're going to go ahead and continue this tomorrow, of course. We'll be in First Peter chapter 3 once again. And uh, thank you for joining with us on our program. I pray until next time you receive his gospel power today. My life was flying by. I always wondered why. I was so empty deep within. But then you came to me and let my spirit see. Show